This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. We're back like we never left. I'm your host, 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Adam Finkelstein. And the draft may be over, but we've got another busy show. And it begins by who should have gone back to college, because it's pretty clear right now. Secondly, we're going to talk about the transfer portal, because although it may be almost July, the portal is still spinning and rosters are still evolving on a daily basis. Last but not least, we're going to look back on the second weekend of the June Scholastic recruiting period, where kids played with their high school teams throughout the country. We're going to have recaps from coast to coast. That and much more coming up next. Last week's NBA draft, it was a ton of fun. In fact, we had five straight hours of live coverage on CBS Sports HQ, but unfortunately, it wasn't a great night for everyone. Only 58 players heard their name called, and so many people left disappointed. Of those 58, only 30 first-round picks get guaranteed multi-year contracts. So who should have gone back to school? We're gonna break it all down. All right, guys, for weeks we've been speculating about who should stay in the draft, who should leave. Now we know. Who are the guys in retrospect who really seem to have missed a golden opportunity to go back to college, potentially even for a bigger payday? Young Trotter, I will start with you. Yeah, I look at Charles Bediaco from Alabama, and he's one of the most impactful defenders in all of college basketball last year. Opponents shot just 40% at the rim when he's on the floor. And he had a chance to come back to Alabama, anchor that defense again, potentially repeat as SEC champions, potentially earn a number one seed. He chooses to leave. And I felt like he could have just taken a few strides offensively and put himself in position to be like a Christian Coloco type prospect where he's going early second with late first round potential in, in 2024. And now he's featured as like a backup for Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio. So it's a little bit of a, it's an interesting decision that he chose to make. And I felt like he had a lot to gain from coming back to school and he missed out on, on that opportunity. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that, uh, no doubt about it. And of course, the backdrop for this entire conversation is the 2024 draft isn't expected to be very good. So certainly not just uh, an opportunity missed in terms of NIL and things like that, but draft positioning for next year. Trav, anybody that stood out to you in terms of someone who should have gone back to school? Absolutely. Uh, Turquavian Smith out of NC State. He entered the season as projected uh, as a lottery pick. Um, he did a lot this season. He had some explosive moments, uh, but he didn't really improve in terms of his decision making and especially picking up and being more disciplined on the defensive end of the floor. He has all the tools. He is thin. He is slight. 
but he's long. He's an explosive and electric athlete and an electric scorer and shot maker. So all he had to do was just come back to school, sure up his shot selection, and bring a, a consistent motor and engagement and focus on the defensive end of the floor. And sure enough, as you're saying, it's a weak class. There's a good chance he would have gone first round next year. And, and you know what's interesting about Smith's case in particular? I feel like the players that grasp or kind of predetermine their stock ahead of time, that's when the mistakes are made. Like Terquavian Smith, as you said, had a ton of first round buzz coming out of last year's combine in 2022, elected to go back. And the narrative was, oh, you're going to be a first round pick. But the intel wasn't necessarily living up to that throughout the course of the season. But he was, he was already tied to that outcome. Whereas you go back to school, you play for what should be a very good NC State team, especially if he comes back in the fold. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a good example of being open-minded to, to what the intel is telling you throughout the process. Bossy, who do, who, do uh, who do you think stands out here in terms of someone who missed an opportunity to go back to school? Well, I'm here in Big 12 country, and Mike Miles is yeah. the guy for me. I think had he come back for another year, we're talking about a potential player of the year in the Big 12, probably the favorite, well, prior to the Hunter Dickinson transfer, but still a guy who's going to get a lot of run. You know, on one hand, it kind of fits his MO of being a underrated me-against-the-world kind of guy, and he did get a two-way deal with Dallas. But the thing with Mike is, another year of college, he really needed to prove that he can be a facilitator. You know, the most he ever averaged for an assist in a season was 3.8. He was under three assists per game this year. And he averages almost as many turnovers as he does assists during his college career. And he's not proven until his junior year to be the greatest the greatest two-point finisher just because he's kind of a smaller guy who throws his way in there. I do think that he eventually carves a roll out for himself in the NBA. I see a lot of maybe Miles McBride type deal for him. But if he came back, I think he could have been a competitor for the Big 12 Player of the Year or... If he wanted to hit the transfer portal, I'm sure he could have commanded a very handsome son in terms of NIL money. But, you know, like I said, he wants to chase his dream and go do these things, and I wouldn't bet against him making it. I just think maybe the route might have been a little bit easier after another year of college. So I'm going to bring up a guy who is, is similar in terms of what I think his options could have been, and that's someone we all know very well, and that's Gigi Jackson. A year ago at this time, Gigi Jackson was the number one ranked high school rising senior in the country. It was... Uh, about a week later that he declared his intent to reclassify, or at least we all knew it was coming. Decommitted from North Carolina, committed to South Carolina, ended up going in the class of 2023. Unfortunately, everything from that point did nothing but hurt his stock. He did not have an efficient year at South Carolina. Uh, the body language was disappointing at times, and of course there was the Instagram Live session that went bad. Uh, all of that resulted in him slipping into the second round. He ended up getting drafted by Memphis. Now, I still believe that Gigi Jackson has an NBA future. I think he's with an organization that is going to have a really solid development plan for him. Uh, but this is a player who certainly missed an opportunity. And if you look at something like what Kalel Ware did, he went back, he went back, put his name in the portal, finding a new location. If Gigi Jackson did that and found a new, new location, a place to uh, kind of changed the narrative. I think he had a major opportunity to be both one of the best players in college basketball next year and in, dramatically improve his stock in next year's NBA draft. And let's be clear, that's not a knock on South Carolina. The best thing I thought Gigi Jackson did uh, on draft night, or at least a draft week, was when you heard him talk about very openly some of the mistakes he made 
this year at South Carolina. Came right out and said, that's not me. You're going to see the real me. That's exactly the attitude that we needed to see all year at South Carolina. And if we saw it next year in college basketball, I think his draft stock would have been vastly, vastly different. All right, for much more on those four players and where their destination is, you can check out the screen behind you. As we said, there is still a pathway for those four guys to make it in the NBA, just not the first round status and guaranteed contracts that they initially hoped for. If you watched College Basketball Recruiting Weekly last week, we talked about West Virginia and what was going to happen there, how Kentucky could be a likely landing spot for some of those players. That has come to fruition. What we didn't anticipate was this guy going back on the board, Javon Quinterly out of Alabama. He's going to turn 25 during the upcoming season, but he's going to play college basketball somewhere else. We'll break down that and more coming up next. All right, as we discussed last week, Trav, West Virginia had a few guys go in the portal. Obviously, now they've shored up their coaching position, at least for next season. But Trey Mitchell off the board to Kentucky. We knew Kentucky needed some bodies. I think this is potentially a big addition, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, no question about it. Kentucky was in desperate need of getting some age and experience on this roster. Uh, they had some big news last week with Antonio Reeves expected to come back. And now you add Trey Mitchell, a skilled big man who can score inside and out. Uh, and with a lot of starts under his belt throughout his collegiate career. This is his fourth college program, but he is a grad transfer, so he will be eligible to play for the Wildcats immediately. Um, they have seven, eight freshmen, if I, can, if I can remember off the top of my head. It's a lot to count at this point. Uh, so adding this experience and this leadership is uh, immensely valuable heading into the season. Trav, are they done, or should we expect them to still be open to, to adding more bodies here? They're still open to adding more bodies. Uh, they recently had Santos Cyril, a 2024 big man, with the option to reclassify to 2023 on campus. They are the expected leader. Um, and if Santo were to make a decision and reclassify, that could be coming in the next few weeks. All right, and the other thing to watch there, of course, is the health of Aaron Bradshaw. Now, Javon Quinterly went on the market as well. Trotter, what are we to make of, of this? And... I mean, he's going to be 25 years old this year. I mean, that, that is a whole new level of experience. But how do we break down what is about to become the Quinterly sweepstakes? Yeah, I kind of view it from the, uh, the standpoint of the later you enter the transfer portal, the better. Yeah. And he has a chance to get a very, very lucrative NIL offer. And two schools really make a ton of sense. There's been a lot of Memphis buzz. But I look at Miami. They have three scholarships open. They've done a great job with transfers in the past. They're losing Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. He seems like the perfect Isaiah Wong replacement. And you have Norchad O'Meara there. You have Nigel Pack, Wuga Poplar, Matthew Cleveland. That's a really, really fun team that can repeat as one of the best teams in the ACC, potentially make another run. You know, if they make it to the Elite Eight next year, that'd be three straight seasons making it to the Elite Eight. So I, I like that potential fit for him, but we'll see. I mean, he's a talented shot maker, shot 35% from three last year, proved he can do it off the bounce and off the catch, got in the pick and roll game a little bit. He was arguably Alabama's second best player by the end of the season and really turned it on after getting fully healthy. So a lot of teams are going to be calling him and he's going to command a huge, huge price tag. And guys, I just want to kind of tie these two segments together because in the last segment we were talking about players that could have gone back to college for a big payday. And Isaac, you bring up a great point, especially for grad transfers, there's no cutoff date. I mean, I saw on Twitter today and I think it's right. Like, they can go on a foreign tour 
not like their playing time, and then put their name in the portal in late August. There's nothing preventing these grad transfers from doing that. And, and whether you like that or not, I think that's the reality of the current market. So nobody's roster is set. This could continue to go on for the rest of the summer. Uh, Bossy, is there another name out there still on the board that we should be keeping an eye on right now? Yeah, if we go back to West Virginia, Joe Toussaint is be interesting. The guy from New York that started off in Iowa, played this last year at West Virginia, um, came off the bench for them most of the time. I think he started one game. He's an interesting guy. He's a little bit lower to the ground. He's tough. He's strong. He kind of likes to just throw his body into the lane and draw a bunch of fouls. He's not the most proficient finisher. And I think he's a guy that could really give a quality high major program, you know, 18 to 22 good minutes a night and experience. But, you know, there's places out there that are looking, they're needing starters. You know, he was we're taping Monday. He was supposed to be in Manhattan, Kansas for a visit to K-State. I believe there are some plane issues that prevented him from making that trip. So now his next visit is going to be Texas Tech beginning on Wednesday. And then he's going to try and get back to Kansas State. And also look out for Alabama here. Joe Toussaint immediately becomes potential replacement for Javon Quinterly in Alabama's a situation that's got some pretty nice NIL and early word is, you know, of course, like any of these other guys that that's going to be a factor in his thing as he tries to do this and finish up the classes he needs to be a grad transfer. But Joe Toussaint's an interesting one to me because he's got a ton of experience. And if he can be a bit more efficient, he could be one heck of a late pickup for three programs and others that really need a guy right now. Well, especially on the defensive end of the floor, because the point guard is oftentimes your most important position defensively because it's where you where you begin the possession. You need that ball pushed to the sideline. Joe Toussaint is a terrific guy to do it. Another name still on the board is Paul Mulcahy out of Rutgers. I think what's really interesting about him is his versatility, and he's been like this since high school. And in one sense, he can think and play the game like a point guard, but he's got a body type that is more consistent with a wing, and that makes him just super flexible in terms of who he can play with and the type of lineups he can play in. So you could slot him in there and have him run your team offensively. You, if you have a primary point guard or a scoring undersized lead guard, he's an ideal complement. I would keep an eye out for a place like Washington. There's been a lot of buzz there, especially with Larry Brown joining the staff. Uh, but certainly he's another player that will have a lot of interest. And you know where to follow to keep up with all of this, 247sports.com, with a look at the latest best available transfers left on the board. From Phoenix to Philly, D.C., New York, Jersey, and Connecticut, the 24-sports staff was out in full force covering the Scholastic Live periods last week. Here's a look at who impressed us. All right, guys, the Scholastic Live period is an opportunity for college coaches to see players with their high school teams as opposed to the grassroots teams that we spend most of July watching. We were all at different places. I was bouncing around the East Coast. Deshaun, you were in Philly. Brandon, you were in Texas. Travis, you were in Phoenix. Uh, Deshaun, I'm going to start with you. Who stood out the most to you this week in Philadelphia? Yeah, I'll probably have to go with Nas Hart. He plays for the College Achieve. It's a new school in Asbury Park. What I like about him, he's 6'8", six six long, athletic, very active, runs a four, and just plays with a lot of energy. Right now we have him at number 71 in the rankings, and he looks like he outplayed his ranking and played really well. And uh, with updated rankings on the horizon, I know that is a guy that you have really been advocating for. I know I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Brandon, you were in your home state of Texas. What was, who was the big standout down there? 
Yeah, Nick Cody out of Carrollton Newman Smith is somebody yes. that headlined my article. Um, he's one who blew up during the Adidas spring sessions on the 3SSB circuit, and he showcased his talents that led him to debut at the number 57 spot and more. Um, one thing that stood out to me was his ability to handle the ball. He ran the point guard position for Newman Smith, and he did so in great fashion with poise. Um, and while he needs to fine tune his versatility, he made passes with either hand and then also fulfilled his duties as a four man by play finishing and cleaning up offensive rebounds and finishing them emphatically with second chance points. So, you know, he's one who is continuing to track upward and should while we watch him at NBA Top 100 camp this week. And he also attracted the coaches. Kelvin Sampson and Kellen Sampson were there in attendance to watch him play. And then Bill Self and Jeremy Case arrived to watch him perform as well. So expect those two teams to be firmly in the mix um, once he comes to a decision. But he's one who stood out in a loaded crop that Texas had at the TABC showcase. And, you know, that's exactly why these events are so valuable, because they give you a different context to evaluate these players in. So Nick Cody you would, or at least I haven't seen him do anything close to initiating offense in the grassroots circuit. And let's be clear, he looks great in the grassroots circuit, was already a big stock riser, but you see him in this context, it opens up a whole nother avenue of the evaluation. So again, that's why these evaluation periods, I think are a really welcome addition to the recruiting calendar. Uh, Trav, you were out in Phoenix, section seven, widely considered to be kind of the gold standard of these scholastic events. Who is the standout for you? I mean, I could go with the Boozer Twins, but why Why uh, keep beating a dead horse? They were absolutely spectacular all weekend. Uh, but the guy who really jumped off the page to me this weekend was Brandon McCoy, a 2026 point guard out of St. John Bosco. Uh, six foot three, really long, extremely fluid athlete. He moves like water out on the court, gets anywhere he wants uh, with dynamic ball skills, and he's a dynamic three-level scorer. They're just a smooth, smooth game. Uh, the way he played, uh, he is arguably the best point guard in all of high school basketball, in my opinion. And a guy, when we debut these 2026 rankings, I have a very hard time believing that there will be five players better than him. Wow, that is high praise for the young. What is 2026? That makes you a young rising sophomore. And I know you are high on that class in general. So have to uh, have to reinforce the fact that this was the end of the scholastic live period. But the July recruiting period is right around the corner. In fact, we are all headed back out on the road next week. We will be at various stops throughout the country for the better part of July, and we will have you covered at every location. You can find all of that and more 247sports.com. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on this week's show. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.